The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Good morning. This is Galen McDowell, and I'm the Executive Minister and Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois where the Reverend Dr. Derry B. Wells is the senior minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. I'm in the midst of a powerful series where I'm interviewing people who I believe are making a positive and transformative impact in our communities. People who are helping people live better lives and helping people achieve the dreams of their hearts. So today I have on the call the CEO of Fair Consulting Group, Sean Fair. How are you doing there, Sean? Hey, I'm doing very well, Galen. Doing very well. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, for uh, my listeners, just to kind of give them an overview of you know who you are and what you do, can you give them a little bit of background about yourself and the Fair Consulting Group? Yes, absolutely. Um, the Fair Consulting Group is a training consulting company, and we work with um, organizations here in the United States, Canada, and Europe, and we teach executive leaders and mid-level managers how to be servant leaders. I also have a platform called the Leadership Experience Tour, where we audition speakers across the country to get on stage with me to give their eight to 10 minutes presentation on leadership, whether it's personal leadership or professional leadership, um, we try to bring as much value to society as we possibly can, and we allow speakers to get on a platform to really get their message out so they can bring value to society as well. Beautiful, beautiful. So, you know, I wanted you on this show, and I know last time we had a little bit of a hiccup, so I'm glad you were able to be able to come on the show this time and share your wisdom and experience with my audience. So, when you're talking about leadership, because you're connected to so much leadership and consulting with company, being a consultant to companies, helping them get extraordinary results. When you talk to leaders in these different organizations, companies and sales teams, how do you, first of all, define leadership? Well, I define leadership five different ways. Or let me just put it differently. Um, I think that every leader to demonstrate five critical attributes. And those five critical attributes are, are lead by example, trustworthiness, 
praise, experience, and mutual respect. You know, leaders who demonstrate the five critical attributes um, tend to have the people that are working for them follow them, um, not because they have to, but because they want to. Those critical attributes are absolutely necessary in order to hold people accountable, in order to discipline people, in order to train and coach effectively. The leader must set the ultimate example. And those critical attributes are what we call transferable attributes. So what happens is not only do they trademark the leader, but they also transfer into the employees and the employees are now being developed to be leaders because they start to demonstrate those very attributes. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, um, I've been working in leadership a long time. You know, I've worked, you know, in the church world and not just as a minister, but as an executive. And before then I was working in the, you know, the grocery business as a manager. And one of the things that I've noticed right across uh, the board, regardless of the secular world or the religious world, is that sometimes leaders leaders try to utilize a one-size-fits-all approach to leadership without dealing with the nuances of personalities and what motivates people and gets the best out of them. How do you how do you coach leaders into not creating, for lack of terms, a cookie-cutter approach? to leading their teams to make sure that they're getting the best out of the members of their teams? I would think that the most important thing is, is to get them to understand that every employee that they have on their team is, is different. You know, there are four different personality types in today's workplace. There are four different generations in today's workplace. You know, you have the boomer generation who, you know, they're on their way out, but they're still there. They're about 70% of the CEOs and a lot of the executive leadership still fall under the boomer category. And they, they have the most life experience. They have the most work experience and their way of doing things is the only way of doing things. And that is their mentality for the most part. And then you have the folks that are in my generation, which are the Gen Xers. We are the most cynical and the most hated folks on the planet. And when you think about someone that you don't like, it's probably someone in my generation. And then you have your Gen Y, your Gen Zs, the millennials, they're coming into the workplace. They're about 70%. And they're the, the technology folks, and they have a very efficient way of doing things and ways of doing things that the Gen Xers and the boomers are generally not accustomed to. And so you have these different mindsets in today's workplace. They all function and operate differently. So helping leaders to understand that you have different personalities, different generations, and they all think differently is the first step to helping them to understand that they must conform their leadership style to meet the needs of every single individual that works for them in order to get success from all employees. That, that's step number one, is to get them to understand everyone's different. Yeah, I, I really get that. And, you know, Sean, when working with leaders and helping them understand, especially the generation gap, it can be exceptionally challenging because the mindsets are so different amongst the generations that you mentioned. You know, I can remember, and I'm Gen X as well, <laughs> and I can remember, you know, just working with people who were younger than me from the standpoint of even hiring teenagers at the time, how I view life as a 16, 17, and 18-year-old versus hiring someone versus hiring somebody that was a, in a, a part of a different generation. 
And, you know, you have to get in your mind, not being your grandfather, like, oh, that music you listen to is horrible. And everything you do is not the way it needs to be done. But giving them the freedom to within parameters to be creative and allow themselves to find their own voice in their own way to be able to still produce effective results along with whatever is necessary to help the company grow. So what what I want to talk to you about um, really for the bulk of this show, and, you know, just give or take an hour uh, or a little less than an hour, is dealing with people's thinking. When I was listening to you when I was uh, in Detroit with you and listening to you speak to your team a couple of months ago, or actually it was what, late August, early September, early September, uh, one of the things that I kept noticing was that you consistently, without necessarily always saying the word mindset or thinking, you are always addressing a person's thinking, regardless if it was a regular conversation or you were speaking to your team or you were speaking to the speakers that were uh, part of the leadership experience tour in, in Detroit. Um, why do you focus so much on helping people shift their thinking? Well, sometimes when you when you work with speakers, and especially those who are are telling their story, I'm just I'm just using this as an example. They understand what their problems are, but they don't necessarily understand the cause of their problems. And and because of that, sometimes when they tell the story, they're not always honest in how they tell the story. And it's not that they're trying to be dishonest, but it's it's just that they're you know, not understanding the cause, cause of the challenge and telling the story. So what I try to do is understand their thinking and then ask them the right questions to help them come to the right realization. And that's very important because if you know how a person thinks, it helps you to develop the right questions. And I can tell someone that your thought process is incorrect all day long. But if they think that their process is correct, all you do is what? You, you butt heads. Mm-hmm. If I could ask the right questions and get them to tell me what I know to be true and correct, then it's coming from them. Then it's easily acceptable when they are actually giving you that information versus me giving them that, that information, if that makes any sense. Yes, absolutely. It's basically like the Socratic method. You're you're helping them pull out their own inner genius, their own answers, instead of just giving it to them, which will create resistance. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So and because when you go ahead, excuse me. Okay. No, go ahead. No, no, go right ahead. No, I want you to be in your own flow. Go ahead, please. And I was just going to say is that, you know, when there is resistance, right, then that, that brings up conflict. And then when there's conflict, then there's frustration. And then that could be cancerous, not just with the, that individual, but also for everyone that's around that individual. So, we, we try to do the best that we can to lead by asking questions versus lead by telling. And I think um, a lot of leaders in today's corporate America and just today's workplace should take that approach because that is a coaching approach. It's, it's lead by asking questions. Yeah, yes, uh, definitely. Now, when people are telling their stories and, um, you know, the, the experience in September was very powerful for me to be in a space to hear so many people uh, share their stories of overcoming, of transformation, of and breakthroughs, that I started to just 
ask myself just a, a few questions. And one of them was, how many people do I know that are really good at telling their stories? Because in, in, in the work that I do, the field that I do, I'm always having people giving me, you know, in the church world, we call them testimonies. Testimonies right. of overcoming. Yet they're not necessarily articulate in sharing their stories. Why is it powerful to not only own your story, but to be able to share it for your own transformation and the transformation of other people? Well, at the end of the day, you can have a great story. But if you don't understand how to articulate the story in a way that people will receive it, doesn't do you any good, now does it? Right. And so there's there's three things that I focus in on with speakers. There's three things. And, and a lot of speakers, I know we're not really getting into this realm, but a lot of speakers, they want to be able to tell their stories day in and day out as much as they possibly can, which means in order to do that, you got to get paid for it. Mm-hmm. So it, in order to to do this on a consistent basis, the speaker must be able to do three things. And, and here they are. Number one, they have to have the ability to engage. And, and engaging is, is really important. And so you know this, Galen, that 10% of communication, 10% is verbal. That's it. Right. So whatever comes out of my mouth, that's only 10% of communication. 40% is pitch, tone, and rate of speed. And that's why when I'm on the stage, sometimes I talk really fast like this because it's an engagement mechanism. And sometimes I slow down. It tends to bring people in. And 50% is body language, it's facial expression, it's hand gestures. And, and all I'm trying to say is that 90% of communication is nonverbal. And speakers who master the nonverbal communication skills are some of the best communicators and speakers in the world. That's a fact. That's an engaging component of speaking. Speakers have to master that. Number two, you have to educate. So whatever your story is, there has to be an educational component to it. And then the third thing is that you have to have the ability to, to entertain. So no matter how somber your story is, there's got to be some laughter in that story because it means that if there's no laughter in it, he probably hasn't gotten through it. And, and therefore, the audience may not see you as credible as you're talking about a particular topic, especially if you went through some kind of traumatic situation, if you can't just, just laugh about it. So those three things are really important. If the speaker can engage, entertain, and educate, then most of those speakers, I could say that they, they do a fairly effective job in articulating their story where it is received by the audience. Well, I, I love those three points because I think it allows people to really paint a picture when you cover all three. And a person feels as though they've taken a walk with the individual as they tell their stories. You know, when um, do you find that people sometimes get stuck in their stories? And I'm just give you some context, please, Sean. Um, I remember, you know, being a, you know, relatively really young man coming to um, Christ Universal Temple, where I'm the executive minister now. Um, as a young man, Les Brown used to speak here all the time because he was a member here. Or he is a member. He not was. He is a member. And uh, he was at one point a minister for our organization before he turned it into maybe the world's greatest motivational speaker. And he brought in a bunch of uh, young speakers, much like you do. You know, you you train them, you develop them, you you know, you give them a platform 
to, to speak. And it was a young lady that had a story who got stuck in her story. I mean, got stuck to, in her story to the point to where she wasn't, as you were saying, could laugh or be, and she wasn't free of the story. So mm-hmm. when she started to explain the story, I'm watching her and I may be, I mean, at best, I think I might have just turned 22. I might have been 21. And I'm, mm-hmm. I, know, I don't know anything about speaking skills at that point. But what I did understand was, man, this lady is stuck in a story of an abusive husband, abusive boyfriend or whatever it was and everything she and her child went through to get away and all of that type of stuff. But it was no redemption at the end of the story. It was no transformation and it was no lesson. She was just stuck. How do you help people know when they're emotionally available, strong and free enough to share a story? You know, it's, it's a that's a great question, Galen. And we do run across this, you know, from time to time. And we've actually had a few people back out of the tour, you know, because of this. You know, because it goes back to when I was telling you earlier is that when you are working with the speaker and they are telling you the story, you, you start to understand that there's holes in that story and you never say to them, there's holes, right? You never, you never, you never communicate that way. But what you do is you start to ask those questions. And then as you ask those questions, sometimes it becomes very tough for them to answer them. And it's not because they don't know the answer is that they don't want to give the answer. That is a telltale sign that a speaker is not ready to tell their story and bring that value to society. Because the one thing that I can share with you is that um, the audience can see your authenticity. They can see it. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't gotten through it, but yet you're trying to help them get through something, uh, they're going to read right through that. So asking the right questions getting them to give you the tough answers, seeing how they respond to those tough questions is a telltale sign as to whether they're ready to get on that stage or not. I love it. I love it. And what's interesting is I ended up seeing, it was, it, I think that was the summer of 94. So I was actually 22. And I remember, uh, Sean, I had flew to California, to Los Angeles, to be a part of a conference. And the woman was at that conference. Les was at that conference as well. And I remember having a conversation with her and she admitted to me that she got stuck. You know, cause I asked her, I said, Hey, you know, I was at the church you, you know, you spoke at you know, two months ago or last month or whatever it was. And it was interesting because she knew she was stuck and she felt, you know, that she could handle it. And maybe if some que- harder questions, you know, and let's just be honest. Les Brown says, hey, I'm giving you a platform to speak. You're going to go for it. However, right, right. <laughs> you know, let's just, you know, <laughs> I think that she didn't want to admit that that was the case. But when it's all said and done, that was the case. You know, and we're talking about 1994 right. Les Brown, you know, dating Gladys Knight and, you know, TV right. shows on ABC. You know, he and he was on PBS every two weeks. So, I get the fact, the the point that she just like, okay, I thought I could handle it, but then she realized that she couldn't handle it. 
And I, you know, and, and just being a young man, just having that conversation with her was really beneficial to me because, you know, I've bumped into situations and circumstances where I would say to myself, okay, I'm not ready to share that yet. And being honest enough to know that if my transparency can't be transformative to other people, then why am I sharing? Does that make sense? No, that, that makes that makes perfectly good sense. Yeah. Makes perfectly good sense. You know, sometimes too, Galen, is that she may have shared that story on many different occasions in very small settings, you know, with friends or family members or, or whatever the case may be. And, and still not had some best practices um, to put out there to to help people that are listening to her. Maybe, maybe not. But sometimes when you get on that big stage and you're trying to tell your story, if your flaws, they, they tend to come out. If, if you're not ready, I, I can tell you that uh, a lot of folks will freeze if their story is not authentic. And what it sounds like to me is that her story was not authentic. She tried to get up on the stage to bring value to people when the fact of the matter is she just had a story, but she didn't have a story that was ready to help people. But that's what she was on the stage for. And so if that is the case, then there is no authenticity there. And that flares up in situations like that. That is a great point. It it wasn't all it didn't connect. You know, I, I can honestly say it did not connect. And being a person now who pays attention to speakers all the time, because it's what I do for a living. It's really important to me that from my perspective, my prayer before I stand before anybody is God, let my soul connect with another soul. Right. It's important for me, for me to get myself out of the way, regardless if I'm talking to a secular environment or religious environment, just to be in the space of, let my soul touch another soul, not just let my information touch another brain, because we have a lot of information, not a lot of transformation. But if my soul can connect with another soul, then they can feel and know my intent. And that's what I'm hearing from your words, that there's a deeper connection between human beings that allows us to connect and evolve and develop when we align with other human beings on an authentic level. Am, am, I, am I picking up the vibe properly? No, you, you pick up the vibe properly. And, and listen, I, I, let me say it another way too, Galen. You're right, you're right on the money on this. And I won't, I won't name the speaker's name, but um, there is a, a great speaker, great motivator. And he, he lives in a particular segment when he speaks. And he's, he's probably one of, the, one of the best speakers in the world. And, but he's been in the, the school sector, the, the sports sector. He's been in that sector. But he tried to go into the corporate sector. And the challenge is, is that he really didn't have any corporate experience. But he, he tried to get in front of corporate people and deliver a message. And, and here's the challenge. I would always hear him as they would do these promo pieces. And I always hear him say, let me say that one more time. But you didn't hear me because he didn't get a response. It's not that they didn't hear him. They heard him, but it didn't connect. It didn't connect. So he was saying that like purely throughout his entire presentation, 
because there was no response and there was no response because he was, he did not have the ability to connect with that particular audience. And, and it's a very similar thing, you know, with that lady, she didn't connect because she didn't bring the value. And it's because she didn't get through her situation. She's not help, able to help anyone else get through their situation. No, I, I totally get it. And I've seen situations where, um, like you just mentioned before with the speaker, where they were really good in their lane and then they went into another lane and weaknesses were exposed because they just couldn't connect with the people they were trying to present to. Because again, if it's not real, if it doesn't show up as real, then people just can't accept it. And, you know, I, I, I love a, a statement that I've, I've been saying for years, it's not my statement, but I borrow it all the time from Johnny Coleman. Mm-hmm. And she would say, I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. And, and I live with that statement. I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. And it always makes me realize, first of all, I have to get back to my own thought around the thing. Because as I'm thinking, I'm creating thoughts that make things. I'm planting seeds with my mind. I'm planting seeds with my feelings. I'm planting seeds with my words. How am I functioning in a paradigm of wholeness because I am the thinker who thinks the thought that makes the thing. I'm always at cause. Right. And it's an, in a, you know, it's, it's a metaphysical statement, but it's really practical in my point of view. So when I'm hearing you talk about what these different speakers are doing, I just go right back to, I'm the thinker who thinks the thought that makes the thing. Yeah, That's I, how I the, totally agree with you. Yeah. That's how the mind works. So we have about a minute and a half before we have to take our break. Um, Let me give my quick church commercial for this ministry podcast. Sean, if you don't mind, and then when we get back, we'll pick right back up on these leadership questions. All right, that that sounds like a plan. Great. So you can connect with Christ Universal Temple on our website at www.cutemple.org. Uh, You can watch our live stream of our Sunday service on that website or on our Facebook page, Christ Universal Temple, or our YouTube page, CU Temple. I'm actually going to be preaching this Sunday. I'm teaching a sermon titled The Prosperous Community. We're celebrating our 65th anniversary as a ministry, and I think it's really important for us to recognize what we're doing and how we're doing it. Anyway, to make a long story short, we want you to connect with us. We also want to make sure that you check out our Facebook Live lessons Monday through Friday at noon Central Time, and you can watch them at any time. And you can also connect with us through various other ways on our website. We want to make sure that you connect and you get what you need to live a better life. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. 
Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Today I have as a guest again, Sean Fair, the CEO of Fair Consulting Group. Before we get back to leadership questions and how you can use leadership to transform your life, I want to give Sean an opportunity to let people know how they can get in contact with him or if they want to be a part of the upcoming leadership experience tour, how they can connect with him or get any books or any other materials with them. Um, so, Sean, uh, first of all, how can people get in contact with you? Well, there's several different ways, Galen. They can go to my website, which is www.fair, like the state fair, consultinggroup.com, just like it's spelled. And they can just reach out to me there or they can go to any social media platform, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, and just put in Sean Fair. And generally, I'm the first person that pops up. Um, that's another way they can get in contact with me, or they can just they can email me. And my email address is Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at fairconsultinggroup.com. Any one of those methods would, would be fine. Beautiful, beautiful. You had mentioned earlier about giving people an opportunity to uh, learn how to share their story and their message as speakers uh, through your leadership experience tour. When is the next one and how and um, can people still get involved with or participate in the tour? Absolutely. We we, we have several things that's going on um, going through the month of, of February of 2022. Um, between February 10th and 12th, <laughs> We're going to have another leadership experience tour. We have 35 speakers that are already in. We are auditioning now for the next two weeks, and then we'll probably cut off at 50. So if you would like to, to share your story, your leadership story, whether it's personal or professional, this is a wonderful platform to deliver that message. It will give you the exposure that you need. It will also get you into some, some mainstream publications so you can gain that credibility as a, as a speaker. And, and more importantly, the, the exposure is, is absolutely amazing. So if you're interested in doing that, um, that is a, a, a big time platform that can, that can propel you, you know, to the next level and give you some of the tools that are necessary um, to get the looks that you need. Secondly, is that we're doing a, another big virtual event. And Galen, you are part of the Microsoft event, did a phenomenal job and have a, a great message that, that hit home. We are doing another event that's very similar to that and Mass uh, Northern Mass Mutual is going to be the big sponsor for that event, and that's going to be coming out to the third week of January. So we will be bringing people to that platform as well. It's going to go through Exposure TV and Tam Lawrence, and we had on average for that Microsoft show about thirty-five thousand viewers on average for that five-hour period of time, and so we expect the same viewership uh, with that particular program as well. So if you just reach out to me on email or social media or you go to my website, fairconsultinggroup.com, um, then that way you, know, you can send your information, your name, your email address, and your phone number, and we'll get back with you in short fashion. Beautiful, beautiful. And, Sean, one of the things I do want to mention was that as a person who has been speaking publicly for 24, 25 years, one of the things that I liked the most was the ability to rehearse and get coached by professional speakers, people who make their living speaking. Because I think there are people who think they know what they're talking about, but it's sort of like uh, <laughs> being a person who is 
trying to coach the team from your couch through your TV. They don't know necessarily yeah. what it takes to actually produce on the court or on the field. Having you and your team who are professionals coaching people, this is what it takes to land with corporate America. This is what it takes to speak to those groups. This is what it takes to get paid to do this. I think it's a totally different conversation. Could you speak a little bit about the difference between getting advice and getting professional advice? Yeah, there's a big difference. I mean, listen, first of all, when you get professional speaking coaching, then what you get taught is that when you develop a presentation, you develop a presentation with intent. So even though it's your story, it has to be intentional. In other words, there are certain places in my presentation, it is designed to make you laugh. There is, there is a, there's a joke. There is something I know that will relate to the audience in a way where they're going to, at minimum, crack a smile. Well, if you have a presentation and you can't get a person to crack a smile, then let me just tell you, you're probably not going to get booked that much. Because remember, we talked about those three things, engage, entertain, and educate. And the, ed- and the entertainment part is a, a huge piece. So we, as we go through people's presentation, we're going to talk about, okay, here's where we're going to put that comedic relief in your presentation. It's intentional. There, there are times in a presentation where you have to help people reflect. If you want people to make a change, then you have to get them to reflect. And there are certain times where you need to ask some tough questions that are rhetorical within your presentation to get the audience to go there. That, that's, that's very important. So there, there are certain things that we're going to take you through where you're going to say to yourself, you know what, I never thought about those things. And I'm not used to delivering a presentation this way. And it's going to take you out of your comfort zone. But, but if you want to be a speaker who does this all the time, then that professional um, coaching is extremely necessary. Let, let me just say this also, Galen. Sure. I've been speaking for a long time, and I know you've been speaking for a long time. Even the best of speakers still need coaching. Yes. You know, I, I gave a presentation at a casino uh, maybe about four or five weeks ago, and I did a, a morning show and an afternoon show. Now, you remember Larry Miller. Larry Miller is my, is my tech. He's my, my audio and visual tech. Right. And after I gave the first show, the first hour and 15 minutes, he says, you know what, Sean? You know, your presentation was good, but it wasn't your best one. And, and here's what you didn't do. So you need to make an adjustment for the afternoon show. And so he's heard my presentations over and over and over again. And just to get his insight and what adjustments need to be made made a significant difference for the second show because I made those adjustments and the reaction in certain areas of my presentation was that much better. And, and that's what I'm talking about is, is getting that coaching that you need, no matter how many times you've given a presentation, it doesn't mean that it can't get better or it doesn't mean that you're not going to have days where you're not delivering it the right way. So that coaching is important. It's critical. Yes. Yes. And I love it. And I, First of all, I love the fact that you were humble enough to know and listen to your know that you can trust your team and listen to a team member to say, you know what, let me take a step back and and look at this, because when it's all said and done, um, I think I can say this honestly, people like you and I know that we might not get another opportunity to speak to some people and we have to get that breakthrough and help them get their breakthroughs. 
it's exceptionally important. And yes. we have to put our best foot forward consistently. You know, you don't get an off day to help people get their breakthrough. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I really look at it that way. Um, you, you don't get a breakthrough. And, you know, I, I just officiated, uh, Shonda, I just officiated a, a funeral two days ago. And, you know, normally people come in to funerals and, you know, they, you know, they're trying to preach their family members into heaven or whatever their religious beliefs are. And I got up and I just said to them, for me, what I want to get across to you is what do you need to be able to go forward and heal in your own life? Because your loved one is fine. Now, let's talk about you. And then I had everybody's attention. And I just mapped out some conversation. And it's just kind of funny how you're talking about it. So I started talking about purpose. And and I and I said, hey, you all remember, and I mentioned a theater you wouldn't know in Chicago. We used to have a lot of, I'm sure they had this in the Detroit area, local movie theaters that would play the same movie for weeks at a time. They didn't have the latest movie, but it would just right. have like it was a local neighborhood movie. So in Chicago on the south side, there used to be a movie theater called the Rose Theater when I was growing up. And I mentioned a movie titled The Blues Brothers. And I'm since we're close to the same age, I know you've seen The Blues Brothers. Oh, I've, I've seen it several times. Yeah, I've seen it about 15 times because I would beg my mother to take me back to see this movie. <laughs> and what I did was I actually explained to them by using the funny stories from the movie how the Blues Brothers would always say, I'm on a mission from God. They said, no matter what tried to stop them, no matter what obstacles they had to overcome, they never gave up. They kept pushing forward because they would all always say, I'm on a mission from God. But telling the funny stories that were connected to the movie, because it was people that were old enough. You know, I wouldn't say that story if it were people were my daughter's age, because I was like, okay, they never seen this movie. I can't use that reference. But for people around our age or older, it was the perfect reference because they could laugh, they could get the point, and most importantly, I made the talk about them and what they needed instead of what someone who has already moved on into their new experience in the presence of God needs because they, they don't need anything. We're the ones that need stuff. Right. And I'm sharing that story from the context of what you were sharing because it connected with people. It made them laugh. It gave them a reference. It made them reminisce. You know, it did a lot of different things. But most importantly, it gave them empowered information that they can use to go uh, better their own lives. And that's what is, again, we just don't get an off day to help people get their breakthroughs. I'm a big believer that when people have been given the responsibility and gifts to be able to stand in front of people and help them shift and create new paradigms that we just have to be ready. And that has nothing to do with being a minister. It means to be a servant. It means to give service to life. Anyway, um, <laughs> you about to have me go on a tangent. No, but again, I, I love what you said. And you grab their attention. And, and you know what we call that in our industry is, is called an aha moment. Yeah. See, they came to hear about the deceased, but then you flipped it and then you turn it around on them. That was an aha moment. That grabbed their attention. That was unexpected. 
and, and that was engaging. And normally when you can do that in the beginning of your presentation, you've got the audience. You got the audience. That was perfect how you did that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So one of the things, um, you know, concerning leadership is what happens to organizations when leaders aren't effective? Now, I know you probably have many examples of this, but I just want to use it from the context of, of losing good people either because they check out or losing good people because they leave. How, how, how have you seen that and how do you help um, CEOs, organizations and boards understand why the quality of leadership will determine what happens literally with their team? Yeah, it, it, it's real simple. And as Galen, you know this, is that leadership and, and most corporations are dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. That, that's a fact. And the one thing that I try to press upon the executives when I'm having my discovery calls is that the number one asset that you have in this organization are the people. And studies and statistics have said that 95% of the reasons why someone leaves or quit an organization is for one reason and one reason only is because they had an immediate problem with their manager. Mm -hmm. That's the number one reason. So when we talked about the five critical attributes of a leader, I'm just going to use this one example. You know, we talked about trustworthiness. Well, what does that mean exactly? What does it mean for a manager to demonstrate trustworthiness in today's workplace? And, and all it means is that you do what you say that you're going to do. And what managers don't understand is that many managers don't do what they say they're going to do. And and what happens over a period of time, when a manager is managing that way for a period of time, the trust starts to erode, dissipate, right? They start to lose trust with their employees, but they want to call them in to have coaching sessions to tell them about what it is they're doing and not doing, but the fact of the matter is they can never keep their word. That's why these attributes are so important, because remember, the manager is the ultimate example for the employees. They, they They are a walking training classroom. So when you're having a conversation with me as the manager, I'm teaching you how to have an appropriate conversation in today's workplace. If I'm having a meeting with my team and the meeting starts at nine o'clock, it, it means that the meeting should start at what time? Nine o'clock. If right. the meeting says, the genesis says it's just in at 10, that means the meeting should end at 10 o'clock because that is, an, that is a, a place where the manager can demonstrate their leadership. It's the meeting. If I'm having a, a conflict resolution conversation with my employee, but I lose control of my emotions, then you're, you're telling the employee that it's okay to lose control of your emotions. So if management doesn't understand how to manage, if management doesn't understand how to communicate, and management doesn't understand how to discipline, right, tactfully discipline, then, then what do you expect? What do you expect the people going to do? And that, that is powerful. It is powerful because I believe that everything teaches and everything is connected to everything. I can remember this is a funny story talking about, you know, I'm, I'm sure you collect stories like me. Just you find All stories, you, you collect them. So many years ago, uh, Johnny Coleman, when she was still alive and running this uh, organization, she uh, she received a letter because she was very timely. In other words, you know how many times in the black church experience, church tends to go beyond 
the time. Like you don't know when people are going to get out. And right. <laughs> I grew up with that because my grandmother was uh, a you know like a traveling singer evangelist in her second life outside of being a real estate owner. And so my sister and I we lived that experience. So in other words, in other in, anyway, Johnny Coleman received a, a a letter because she would get up and she would cut the songs off to make sure that the service always ended at twelve. So she read the letter from the platform and she said, whoever, because the person wrote the letter anonymously, she said, whoever wrote this letter needs to understand this. You need to pray that the Holy Spirit comes earlier because we stop at 12 p.m. (laughs) (laughs) She was teaching a lesson, even with a complaint letter that. If I tell you this service starts at 10:30 a.m. and 12 p- and it ends at 12 p.m., you can count it. You can put your life on the line that this service is going to end at 12 o'clock. Now, I thought it was a funny story until I met a guy later, and he told me uh, that one of the reasons that he started to attend our church was because we closed at 12, and he can get home in time to see half of the first quarter. For the Bears game. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so for him, getting out on time mattered because he's like, okay, my wife wants me to come to church. I want to see these Bears games. And you never know how a teaching moment will land by being the example of what it is that you say you want modeled or you want the employee to do. And I totally agree with that. If you want to talk to people about how to talk to people, how do you talk to people? It, people are watching your work ethic do you get stuff done do you complete things um leadership to me leadership just affects everything because without great leadership you can't go anywhere you can't do anything uh, and you know and what's funny have you bumped into situations where people want you to come in to deal with strategy but they don't want to deal with themselves as leaders and their example well, it, it happens all the time, Galen, and and that's the that's the thing is that people want to change their circumstances, but they don't want to change themselves. Right. And in order to change this, this man, you you got to change yourself, and you, you got to change the people first. That's that's just it, that's textbook one hundred and one. Yes, yes. So you know we have about uh, about seven minutes left. So I want to talk not about the corporate, but to personal leadership, being a leader in your own life. Um, how do you help people? Are you there? Oh, yeah. I'm okay. okay. Excuse me. I apologize. I saw something on my screen pop up and I thought something went wrong. Um, being a leader in your own life, how do you help people create the consciousness, the awareness, the understanding of, uh, and the importance of being a leader in their own life, a leader in their own home, a leader in their own family. How, how do you help people understand and, and execute personal leadership? And let me just say this. That can be very difficult, Galen. And you probably have heard this from several different people. I'm going to say it. 
the, the toughest person to lead that's in your circle is you. Mm-hmm. It, that's a fact. And it is, it is hard to be a great leader of self when you don't have folks around you not holding you accountable. And so I always tell folks that you, you got to have folks around you that's, that, that's holding you accountable for the things that you know that you should do. Because if, if you're in this whole thing by yourself and you're counting on yourself to do everything that you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, where you're supposed to do it, how you're supposed to be with every single person that's, that's in your circle, you're in trouble. Mm. You're in trouble. You've you got to have folks that are around you that, that, that love you, that hold you accountable. And, and that circle has a lot to do with you allowing people like that to be in your circle. So for, so for the most part, it does still have a lot to do with you. But you have to allow those kinds of people to be in your circle. And a lot of times, a lot of folks don't want those kinds of people in the circle because they don't want to be held accountable. And I've been in that, in that area. And that can be a very difficult, challenging thing. And that would be my advice to everybody is to allow people that you know that have your best interests in mind hold you accountable. Allow right. those people to be in circle. That will allow you to be a better you over a period of time in your family, in your business, um, and just in all in your personal life. Yes, yes. You know, I think about some of our, uh, you know the celebrities in, in the African-American community in particular who lost their way just because, in my opinion, they just had yes people around them or people who wanted their money but didn't care enough about them to help them create accountability. You know, I, I, I often would say to my buddies, you know, after Michael Jackson paid that first $20 million <laughs> to that kid to make this, <laughs> I was like, somebody needed to say, hey, man, I know you love children, but the perception of this the optics of this can create problems for you. I don't know what he did or didn't do legally. I don't want to, you know, by chance somebody on the Michael Jackson legal team coming after me. But if Mike was it, if I was in Mike's inner circle, I'm like, man, what you doing? You know, you don't need that. You no know, grown man need to have children that are not your children sleeping in the bed with you, spending the night with you, and being alone with you. That makes no sense. Go play with your own kids, your own nieces and nephews. Keep your family with you. That's close to you. Uh, You know, (laughs) you know, you know, Sean, I was so serious about that type of stuff. And I know they'll talk about this, but I literally, um, you know, once my my ex-wife and I got divorced and my daughter was a child, she was eight when we got divorced. And if she wanted somebody to spend the night with me at, at my house with her. I had to be related right. to the kid. Right. And I had to be close to the parent. Not just related, but close to the parent. Like, okay, this is a cousin I get down with. Why? Because right. it has to be accountability with because it has to be accountability. And I and I agree so much about having people in your in your life that can say to you, you need to stop. That doesn't make sense. Uh and I think that that's a very great aspect of leadership, you know, uh, you know, you know, if you got people around you that are reckless, I call it this way. I, I said this way, Sean, most people want folks around there, around them that won't call them on their stuff. 
because they won't call the people around them on theirs. So we're just going right. to live in the lie. I'm not going to call you out. You're not going to call me out. And nobody grows. And that's not good leadership. And it doesn't create prosperous communities. It doesn't create success and well-being in life. So we have about a little bit less than two minutes left. Sean, I want to get, first of all, give you an opportunity to tell people where they can get in contact with you again. Again, you, you guys can get in contact with me um, by emailing me at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at fair, F as in Frank, A-I-R, consultinggroup.com. Or you can go to my website, fairconsultinggroup.com. Or feel free to connect with me on any of the three social media platforms, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook, and just put in Sean Fair, and I should, I should be the first one that, that pops up. Connect with me. I will receive the connection. And if you want to know more about, more about the platform, all those platforms, social media platforms, will give you an idea as to what we do. You'll see some of the speakers, some of the promo videos, and some of the photos from the events and if you're looking to be a speaker and you're trying to get into a situation um, where you can do this on an ongoing basis then make sure that you reach out to me we would love to to help you out and, and be a part of your journey thank you thank you i want to thank you sean so much for uh working this out with your schedule i know how busy you are i know that my listeners have been blessed and i and i just know you know for you and your team the best is yet to come. Well, thank you so much, Gavin. I really appreciate you inviting me on the show. It has been absolutely amazing. And if you ever want me to come back, just let me know. All right. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, listeners. And we'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Take care. God bless you. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We talk to the animals and we know you can too. On the Animal Communication Podcast hosted by the three of us, myself, Julie Heert, Aaron Debbie Smith, and Meredith Tolleson. We will show you how to deepen your relationship with your beloved animal companions, whether they're alive or in spirit. As soul-level animal communicators, we explain the process and explore topics such as health, behavior, and play, all from the animal's perspective. So subscribe and follow us on Apple, Spotify, and listen as part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.